rolling. Yeah. Is yeah. anybody getting annoyed by this yet? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Apparently I'm a mouth breather. That's gotta, fine. That's we, fine. You know, Chase called us out on some stuff in an email. Sometimes sometimes our listeners email us and tell us what, what we did that's annoying. And it's yeah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I'm not going to go into a deep depression and just spend all my money on useless things. I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm looking at the waveform of your mouth breathing, and it's so loud. <laughs> <laughs> Can you auto-tune that mouth breathing? That'd yeah. be sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'll add in a cool phaser effect. Jason, it's, it's been a minute. It has. Tis the season, so I don't. I don't know if you know this, but uh, the past couple weeks in Michigan have been frigid cold, mm-hmm. like extremely cold, negative temperatures, with, even without the windshield. Yeah, and that usually means uh, I'm going to be working my butt off because people's furnaces die left and right. Our company did over twenty thousand dollars in revenue in this, this last week because of the cold weather. That's insane. Like we were dead, and then all of a sudden, as soon as negative four hit Michigan, we were packed you know what's coming for this week don't you snowmageddon 2019 yeah. we're supposed to get like a foot of snow i'll believe it when i see it yeah i know it it's like four <laughs> to eight but you know it's gonna be three and a half it's funny because i was listening to some of our older episodes i've been going back through our back catalog getting get, prepping for a potential idea for our 100th episode yeah and it's funny every time we've gotten together to po- there's at least one episode every year that we podcast where it's just like all right Snowmageddon's coming yep. for six, 2016, 17, and 18. It's going to happen. Yeah. So it's it's fun. It's been fun podcasting through the snowstorms yeah with you. I just said yeah I, again. Sorry. So the guy sorry. who called me out on my yes is 100% right because you'll just be talking away and I'll just be over here like, yeah. 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 <laughs> De- def- definitely. <laughs> Raymond, did you fart? Yeah, I farted. <laughs> But no, we're supposed to get we're supposed to get what four to eight or some or nine or six to nine or and then another three or whatever. But it's supposed to be the windshields are supposed to be in, in the negative forties this week. <sighs> like they're they're anticipating the school the kids just not having school all week long because if they cancel it tomorrow, I think if the windshields below negative twenty or something, they cancel school. I can't remember what it. I don't think we ever got that cold. To where they canceled school. I've, we never had a school or snow day because of the cold. We only had them, at least in Lapeer, yeah. uh, because of for ice, especially because my whole bus route was back roads. So, and they don't salt the back roads of Michigan. They only salted the main roads. They only salted pretty much 24. And if you weren't driving down 24, uh, you're, screwed. you're screwed. So that's the only... So for the depth of the snow or for ice that's when they would shut the schools down but other than that i don't remember I, and i also walked a quarter mile to the bus stop okay now we're sounding old. i was just gonna say i had to walk to school <laughs> uphill both, both ways, ways 35 miles <laughs> no there's a but quarter they had, when I, the school the district that i grew up in had walkers only school so the buses wouldn't run but if you lived within walking distance you still had you still had school which, from a parent's perspective, is pretty smart, right? Because <laughs> if they have to go to work, you know. So it's pretty much you're on your own. You walk to school or your parents could drive you, but the buses aren't running. 
interesting. You never had anything like that? No, we never did. That never happened for us. We just, you just showed up. It just seems like nowadays, nowadays, these kids are always getting their school canceled. No wonder the Chinese are beating us. I was just wondering, though, as far as like Christian, our spiritual, our religion, whatever category we're pigeonholed into, are we like the northernmost podcast in our genre? I can't think of one that's north of here. Maybe, is there anybody out there in North Dakota? (laughs) (laughs) Is North Dakota north of us? Yes. Yes, they're north of us. Or Maine. Maine's north of us for sure, but we're we're pretty up there. What about Canada? There's got to be somebody in Canada out there. Well, I was thinking American. Oh, just American America first only. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow, he went there, folks. He went there. So we're we're talking about we're talking about the kids and their schools and all mm-hmm. these things. And it kind of sparks it's a good segue for what we want to talk about today. And you brought this up on our you brought this question up on our Facebook and I couldn't believe the responses that we got. So what was the question, Jason? Do you remember? Oh, at what age did you start going to church? Not on your own, not well, I mean on your own, not with your parents. Not a spouse, not somebody dragging you, but the point where you're like, I want to have a relationship with God. I'm going to pursue this thing. I'm interested. I'm in. Let's learn about it. Yes. What age does that hit? And I know, like I said, church, and I know a lot of our listeners don't go to any church, but they still have a relationship with God. So I'm including you guys too, but at what age did you start to your walk, your, your faith journey. And the answers were interesting because I thought it would be younger, but it wasn't. No. For me, I thought for me, especially because I got saved at 17. And so like when I actually started really seriously studying the Bible and really like chasing after, I would still say I was saved at 17, but I feel like as far as learning more about Jesus day in and day out, that really didn't take root and get serious until I was 19 years old. Yeah. I'm, and so, yeah, people were all over the map, but you came up with the average of 20. Yeah. 20 years old. We'll get into that, why that's interesting. But so why don't we just jump feet first into the snow on this episode, yeah. because it's snowmageddon. We're going to be snowed in. We're going to be recording multiple podcasts today, because who knows when I'm going to have a free day ever again. Could be never. <laughs> could you be could until be the fix, snow melts. Fixing furnaces from now until the money's nice, though. I'll, t- I'll say that much. <laughs> the overtime is really nice. So anyway, listener, as you're driving through the foot of snow this year, unless oh, you live where there's no snow, unless you live in Texas, which one do you have any work down there? Because I would love to come live with you. May we bring a chill upon you. <laughs> Enjoy two guys. <laughs> Who couldn't make it as pastors, fumble through the snow and figure out, what age did we get saved again? (laughs) Not going to lie, dude. I love, I love like the threat of impending doom at all points. Like, the thought of a snowstorm coming, like, there's something that's kind of weirdly 
uniquely unifying about it. Because you see people, like today, I went to the gas station, and it was just nuts. There were so many people getting gas today. And it's... So Shauna went, Shauna went to the grocery store, and she said the same thing. She said the grocery store was a madhouse. Oh, yeah. It's going to be People are stocking up. But people are, like, helping people. Like, if you have old elderly people, you know, make sure you check on them. Don't let the kids go out. Like... <laughs> I'm just I'm just waiting for the Hoth memes. Yeah. For you Star Wars fans. Like I, I posted one a year ago, this the last Snowmageddon that we had, and it was Luke on a Tauntaun saying, going to the grocery store, need anything? <laughs> that's hilarious. Because that's about that's about where we're at now in Michigan. The snowstorms are so bad. The only way you can get out is with a Tauntaun. Yeah. It's just it's a buildup though, like we're bracing for it. Batting down the hatches. And then sometimes it doesn't happen. That's the disappointment part, because you know, you you know wake we're up, not going to get as much as You wake say. up, especially as a kid, and you're like in, anticipating, like, you stayed up all night because you thought you were going to have a snow day, and then you didn't, and then yeah. you're like, dang it. It's got to be the same for people, like, preparing for a hurricane. <laughs> I think it's a little bit... It's not as bad as a hurricane. Yeah, a hurricane's a little bit more destructive than, than a snowstorm in Michigan. Well, my brother's in, like, restoration, too, and he's he's working a crazy amount of overtime because people with boilers, like ours, you know, the pipes freeze in areas and then burst, and then their basement floods all winter long. Turns into an ice skating rink. Mm-mm. No, sorry. nightmare when temperatures reach that cold. I know. My wife sent me an article, like, things to do when you're... When it's like negative 40 out, <laughs> like that was like the article and like, it was like just like home things like let your water drip so it doesn't freeze. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm pretty sure the dog just farted. Yes. Oh, by the way, we are in a new location. We are in Jason's basement uh, this afternoon recording. Yeah. I needed to change. Oh, my Lord. I told you, dude, she farted. It smells so bad. Jeez. Here, you let people know where we're at. I'm going to let her outside. All right. So we are in Jason's basement, on, uh, mainly because it that's just what Jason and I had to do in order to get together and podcast. My wife and daughter were taking a nap, and we just kind of made sense to... I kind of wanted to get out of the house anyway and go to the Home Depot uh, before the big snowstorm, so that's what I did. And on the way to the Home Depot, I stopped in at Jason's house to podcast for a wee bit. Oh, Jason's back. Here he is. <laughs> it still stinks down here, dude. Yeah, it kind of smells Holy like a dog cow. fart. What are you feeding her? Beans? I don't know. She it's beans, have, isn't she it? Have pooped on me, did she? I don't see any poop. I don't see any. We're good. Man, it's, that was rough. So, Jason, what sparked this question for you? <sighs> what 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 drove this? Because I I haven't thought about this. Well, we we were having a conversation. I play in our praise band at church. You know, all the super Christians were back behind stage in the green room, you know, waiting for the sermon to get over again. That's like the inner court now. Like, you know, back in Bible times, there was the temple and there was like the inner court where the only like the holiest of Jews could go. <laughs> and then there was the outer court where it's like if you were a Gentile, you could hang out, but you couldn't go past into the inner court. That's now the new inner court. That's, yeah, that's the, is green, the green room. room. Yep. Boom. And, you know, sometimes we have donuts. Our special privileges. Wow. Wow. You're not making a good case for the green room. Random meat snacks. <laughs> we had meat snacks last week. 
meats and cheeses, a little spread. <laughs> I, I, I just mouth breeze the end. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. The Lord provided. So, yeah, you were talking in okay, the back yeah, of the green room. No, we were having this conversation, and a handful of us, we were talking about people being hurt by the church. And not to get into the specific story, um, I was talking to a woman in our praise band, and she was talking about a really messy, nasty situation she was going through. And one of her main concerns was her kids growing up in this particular church they used to go to and what was being taught there and what was being learned there. And she was really concerned about, not that it was a bad church, but she was just like, man, I was like, I was like, yeah, we grew up with some fundamental background stuff, some legal legalism that I wish I wasn't taught because that gets in your brain from a young age and you, you're stuck with it. And then I brought up to her, I was like, man, it's almost like you shouldn't start church until you're like, 20. And she's like, I know, I know. I was thinking the same thing. And then that got me thinking at, at what, what age should you start church? Like what age do we start introducing people to these? these Well, I've said in the podcast before, because I was saved at 17, I kind of bypassed a lot of the legalistic bull crap. You skipped some crap. You sure did. So like, so I've, I've said this story on the, the show before, when the whole idea of whether or not drums were sinful and our church association actually banned drums, I never gave it a second thought to like, oh man, maybe my perspective on like, is listening to music with drums bad? And it like, that never took root. I was always like, that's a stupid rule. So let's teach the youth group to keep time on the back of the pews. And they all banged on the back of the pews to help the <laughs> praise band keep time. And so I think, yeah, I think having, being a little bit, I don't know, maybe a teenager, like you said, maybe 20 years old, kind of coming into it. And that way you kind of can bypass some of the BS and some of like the silliness of the rules, the extra rules that we put on as God's people into his word. Well, just thinking about it from a teaching position too. I mean, how many times, I know I've said it in the past, when you're dealing with a new believer or somebody from, oh, not necessarily, not a new believer, you're dealing with somebody who's new to your church, who grew up in a crappy environment, or maybe not a crappy environment, just really different theologically. And you're like, man, I wish that I wish they were starting from like a blank slate. I wish they could turn off stuff. I wish I could turn off stuff about myself that I can't turn off. These different filters or lenses that we view the text from in, in different ways. So is that just like a maturity thing? Is that because because when you posed the question to me, I was like, man, are we really that immature as a society to where we have to? Well, I had some really heady stuff I had to work out, like um, the idea of once saved, always saved. That's something I believe now. That's something I did not believe before. Hmm. Uh, can you have musical instruments in worship? Can women be on stage? Like, these were all things that I thought was super sinful because it's not what I grew up with. So is that, so is that just, that's just legalism, right? That's just... It was weeding out some legalism for sure. That's adding some extra rules and maybe some traditions from, from years past. Yeah, we definitely had our own theology worked up too. We didn't subscribe to Calvinism. Right. I, didn't, I didn't really know what that was until I met you. 
I mean, I knew yes. of it, <laughs> knew of it, but not broken down the way you learned it. I didn't learn it that way. I learned, we learned different stuff. We learned how to proof text that baptism was essential for salvation. We learned how to proof text that um, musical instruments inside of a worship service were not authorized by God and therefore disobedience and continued disobedience leads to hell. These are different things that um, I had later on, my wife grew up with them. And she also grew up within purity culture and, you know, all the, all the damage that comes along with somebody saying, you know, if you slip up sexually, you're just a piece of chewed up bubble gum. And who wants a piece of chewed up bubble gum? So, I mean, there's no room for mistakes. And, and yeah, that's, that's really getting, getting back to our legalism. But that's kind of stuff you wouldn't want your kids taught that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's... It's been really interesting, the journey that we've we had with Ada, and I've talked about this a lot. With you know, we read the Jesus Storybook Bible, we try and talk about Jesus, but ultimately, I I want to give, I want to try and raise her, much like the way I was raised or the way I came to Christ. But I know that wasn't until I was seventeen years old. But I also don't. I I, I guess I want to raise her in such a way that. She kind of thinks about the Bible herself, kind of like I did. Yeah. But at the same time, also, like, I want to protect her from some things. So, like, I know that I could be putting some things onto her uh, that I maybe wouldn't put onto myself if it was, if the roles were reversed. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It, it's it's a weird thing because I don't want to say, like, I figured out all the answers or I, I have all the right, you know, ways to raise your kid in a, in a, in a world like this today. But... Gosh, I, I guess it's freaky. It's yeah, like, it is. And one of the things that I like, I uh, keep recalling myself is that you're not responsible for your child's salvation. Yeah, that's that's yeah. And we got into this a lot um, way back in the day in Pastors Academy. We were talking about, well, what if your kids don't believe? Can you still be a pastor? Titus says otherwise. Titus says no, but that's. Well, does Titus say no? There's discrepancies about the text and, and what he's actually talking about versus what he means. Uh, it gets it gets hairy there, but some are uh, under the persuasion that if your children aren't saved, then you probably weren't a good manager of your household. Therefore, you are disqualified from being an elder. And others would say, no, that's not true. They They would read the text differently because you could do they would say they read read the text almost from the lens well not saved yet it's not like i'm not trying they just don't believe it's not like i did anything to make them not believe you know that's that's something that that really does blow my quick yeah that blows my mind the fact that i could tell ada about jesus we pray we pray and talk about jesus a lot in our house but ultimately it comes down to She's got to believe. I can't make her believe. I have zero control over it. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I know. And that's so why that's I, I constantly really pray about... for the Holy Spirit. I'm like, you take this. Please take this. Yeah. So what do we do? What do we teach? What do we not teach? You know, as, and it's little things, too. You could, you could narrow it down to the smallest minute details, and you could expand it to the biggest. Like Noah's Ark. Do we just keep it cute and fluffy? 
Or do we say, uh, that's where a lot of people were murdered. Well, that's what I said. So <laughs> Shauna, when we were setting up Ada's nursery before she was born, she put this picture up of, and it was something that she had in her house and when she was a kid and her mom hung it up in her room. And I'm like, don't hang that up in Ada's room. She's like, why? It's Noah's Ark. It's cute. I'm like, it was cute for like eight people and two of every kind of animal. <laughs> it was cute for eight people. <laughs> But other than that, a lot of people died. Oh, yeah. It's brutal. So it, I mean, It's not like a cutesy story, if you think about it. There's not really too many cutesy Bible stories, if you really break them down. Oh, the boys the other night were like, Dad, tell us again about the guy who stabbed the really fat king in the belly. <laughs> Ehud and Eglon? Yep. <laughs> Bible nerds. And he, and he pooped himself, Dad. Tell us that one. <laughs> so, well, boys, in the book of Judges... <laughs> There was a left-handed man named Ehud. <laughs> I always say that to people when I get made fun of for being left-handed. I'm like, oh, uh-huh. you don't know the story of Ehud, do you? And then they're like, no, we don't, because you're a nerd. I'm like, dang it. Anyway. Well, let's just say he, he stabbed Jabba the Hutt in the belly until the belly absorbed the sword. And, and then it, he pooped himself. Yeah. That's the story. <laughs> We're getting into a little bit of, like, age of accountability stuff. Yeah. So what is the age of accountability? What do you... What? Well, I never actually did the age of accountability thing. I think it might That's, be more of, like, a Catholic thing. I've always it, thought of it as a Catholic thing. I honestly never thought about it until I met you, and you actually brought it up, and I was like, okay, that's an interesting concept. I'm not sure... Where I'm at on that, honestly. Uh, okay, so here's here's another way the the okay. question's phrased. Instead of calling it age of accountability, at what age do, do you baptize your kids? You, at what age are they making that decision? So for like my wife, going back to that, my wife, I think she was seven or nine. Yeah. When she got baptized. And from what I heard from her parents growing up, like, she believed like there was like no if ands or buts about it she truly understood what she was doing she truly understood that she was a sinner and needed to be safe from her sins and jesus died on the cross for her sins and rose again 3 days later giving her a new life and new hope in him and she honestly believed it and like i have her i have her bible from when she was in elementary school uh, and like, there's notes written in it and all these things. Like Shauna was the super Christian at nine, seven years old. Yeah. And so for me and what Shauna and I have decided to do with Ada or any of our other kids is do they exhibit the fruits of the spirit? Do they understand their condition and their need for Jesus? That's when we would baptize them. We had some pushback from our family because my family is mostly Catholic they were saying, like, why haven't you baptized your daughter yet? She's three years old. You should have done this when she was three months old. As an infant. As an infant. And what if something happens to her and she's not baptized? Essentially saying, like, if something, if you guys get in a car accident and she dies, she's going to go to hell, essentially, was their thought process, which I called bull, bull on. <laughs> There's nothing in the Bible that, set, that supports that claim. Anyway, you go now. You talk for a bit. 
Yeah, two of our boys have already been baptized. Yes. And they're still pretty young. They're still under the age of 10. Um, and that was really confusing for me as a parent because they both really wanted to be baptized. And we had had lots and lots of discussions on it. And we were at a larger outdoor church event and tons of people were getting baptized. And our boys, I mean, they both wanted to be baptized and we kept trying to talk them out of it the whole time. (laughs) Uh, Because I know so many kids growing up who got baptized multiple times. Um, It's like the first one didn't take or they didn't understand what they were doing. And baptism is such a big concept. We narrow, we break it down into small, easy to digest pieces. But really the theme of it, I don't think you can understand it when you're seven years old, Mm. nine years old. I, I was almost 20 before our, I even began to understand it. Yeah. Although I would, I would consider myself saved at the age of five. That's when I said the prayer. <laughs> my dad led me in the prayer at my uh, my grandma's house down in Kentucky, and I distinctly remember that. And I distinctly remember. I don't. I can you re- honestly say you had a life change at five? No, but I I've always been spiritual, like annoyingly spiritual. Hmm. Interesting. So I brought up that question to our listener base, and 15 people responded, as you said in the intro. And I took the average of all their ages, and it came out to 20.4. Because what's what's your what's your theory with the? Well, it's not your theory. It's something that. Okay, so age of accountability is always yeah. like 13. That's when kids kind of start to get it. Um, you think? the Catholic Church goes through um, uh, catechism yeah. about that age. I went to catechism younger than 13. Younger than 13? Yeah. I wasn't it, sure what the age was. It was, it was almost like it. it was my church school. So like I'd go to regular em- elementary school, and then it was like there was fourth grade catechism. So that was... On, I, on the simplest level. I just always giggled when this, the priest said hell. I was like... <laughs> 12, 13 is when you start, you, you really know the difference between right or wrong, mm-hmm. is the thought. I think it's older. I think it's older because I think the Bible says it might be older. Um, when I was listening through the Old Testament, which is crazy boring. <laughs> and they begat so-and-so, oh, yeah, and they those begat sections. so-and-so, and then they stabbed that guy, and he begat so-and-so. Yeah. Oh, it gets it, it can get pretty rough there. But when I was just listening through, um, listening through the Old Testament, I kept hearing the age twenty come up a lot, and it's kind of interesting. So in Exodus thirty-eight, um, they are collecting um, materials to build the temple, the tabernacle, and they start collecting um, materials like silver and precious metals and things to be melted down to to make things for the tabernacle was anybody over the age of 20. And then later on, when they're taking census, censuses, sensei, sensei, sensei. Let's go, we'll, we'll go with that. When they're taking sensei, uh, hey. <laughs> um, sensei Miyagi, uh, you know, to, 
to count the people, but to also see who's old enough to go to war or be in the army. You can see it in Numbers 1 and Numbers 14, uh, the age is 20. And then, again, before they entered the promised land, right, the people rebelled and God made a decree. What's decree mean? I don't even know. I just said decree. Like a proclamation? Yeah. It's just one of those church words. Yeah. The Lord made a decree that everybody over the age of 20 would not see the promised land because of their rebellion, except for uh, Joshua Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb. Yes. So that number 20 pops up a lot. And then I got to thinking about my time in Jordan and just being in Middle Eastern culture. You know, here you you graduate from high school and you kind of get kicked out of the house. And there, maybe the age of accountability or the age where you go out on your own is a little bit older because you're you're kind of expected to um, help your parents, help your family, help your tribe until you're like almost in your 30s. Hmm. Interesting. And then you think about your own like life experiences. When do you really start to understand and get life and just life in general? Like, when do you feel like, okay, it's time to grow up. It's time to take matters into my own hands. It's time to be more responsible. It's time to start adulting. And so that, I hate that phrase so much. Like we're adulting today. It's like, uh, or you're just basically being responsible. We're paying our bills. That's that's it. Oh my Work, lord! Worked all week and now. You know it's been really funny. Week. So I've been listening to the it's a, I've it's a ba- these back episodes because I'm a history nerd of the Rubin Report is the podcast, uh, and he had a bunch of he did a whole week of presidents. So he he brought in five experts to talk about five different presidents, and I really enjoy studying the presidents in history. And it's funny to listen to these guys talk because all these guys, so like John Adams, James Madison, Jefferson, all these guys, like when they're like 20 to 25 years old, they're in the middle of like building a country or starting a revolution. Mm. Or so like one of the, like James Madison comes up with the idea of separation of church and state at like age 25. Like what were you doing at 25? That's insane. Or or John Adams, when he was like in his early 20s, like 20, 21 years old, he's like the schoolmaster for an all-boys school in Boston. And I'm like, man, what was I doing at 20? Oh, yeah, I was trying to find enough money to buy like guitar amps, like like trying to do whatever I could to just buy a guitar amp. And this guy's running schools and James Madison is like thinking of like the building blocks that will make our nation one day. Oh, you know what? Part of that, too, it gets on to a bigger topic, but I think um, trial, um, persecution might be the wrong word, but war, um, things of that nature make you grow up a whole lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you start experiencing death at a younger age. And maybe that's why I was more spiritual, because my grandparents started dying off when I was really young. So I was like, immediately introduced to a lot of funerals. Hmm. I mean, my kids are, my oldest is 10. I don't think he's been to a funeral yet. I had been to several by the time I was 10. So you start asking those questions even sooner. Like, where do 
okay, grandma's gone now, but where did where did grandma go? You know? Right. And then your parents try to explain it the best as they can. And they went off to a better place. Yeah. As long as they knew Jesus. Yeah. Wah, wah. Well, here's the thing is this is this is goes back to the conversation I had with the woman in my praise band. You start introducing such big concepts into people and expecting them to get it or live by them. Like you you throw in the concepts of, you know, um um what's the word I'm looking for? You know, don't get caught up in like sexual immorality or be promiscuous. And you enter, you, you're giving that to somebody who's just their hormones are raging through puberty, and it's like you don't do that, but don't do that because it could send you to hell. Like, oh man, that's crazy. It's heavy there's stuff. A, there's a lot there. It's not only like don't do that because you probably shouldn't because you know you could contract. I'd be curious to know like what the school system, like what the teaching system for back. Like I know you were talking about back in Old Testament times. Like twenty was this. Let's just it's say it's just a magic number. I don't a magic know magic the, the age of accountability. Right. You but it, it is interesting that they that number does keep popping up. So there is some significance there. So let's at least say like so at twenty years old, but like before twenty years old, like what were kids being taught? Because I'm sure they were sitting through synagogue, like with their parents as well, being taught to memorize large portions okay. of the Torah, yeah. right? Or am I wrong? No, no, you're you're right. But it immediately thinks this is where we get that classic phrase: they have the head knowledge, but they don't have the heart knowledge. Oh. They got the whole thing memorized. I have a lot of stuff memorized from my youth, and maybe maybe that's not a bad thing because you grow up and those those concepts are there. But it's not like just memorizing it. You know, you get your gold star or whatever, or you graduate Awana or whatever you pass catechism whatever it may be but man does that does that mean you're saved well like for me personally like you know I went to catechism right and I would and it was I even heard my parents talk about like don't have sex until you're married yeah yeah didn't that didn't happen (laughs) like I kind of did what I wanted to do and maybe it's maybe it's not so much the age of account like twenty is the age of accountability, but maybe at age twenty you start to think less selfishly. Maybe let's think about that for a second because all the things that I did were like things to gratify me and things that I wanted to do. And then once you realize the consequences of well, if you do this, this could be a potential outcome for that. You don't really start grasping that maybe till you're a little bit older. And now we have this weird thing nowadays where you have this not to pick on millennials, but everybody likes to pick on millennials now where millennials are basically punting their responsibilities and they're still living with mom and dad. They're still trying to find some type of career. And it just seems like the age where you're like supposed to mature and have your shit together is getting further out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially now, especially with marriages too, like people are getting married older and that may not be necessarily a bad thing. Like you've talked about many times, like wish we maybe would have waited a couple of years. Oh yeah, we, we got we married got... stupid young. So, but didn't want to burn in our lust. <laughs> <laughs> Another one of those weighty concepts thrown onto people 
Come on, your brain can't be fully formed at 18, 19. Like, it's got to still be growing in there somewhere. If, maybe, you, if maybe, your brain's fully there, your heart can't be. Maybe. I, as much, Shauna and I, we were, I was, she was 21, I was 23. Yeah. How old were you and Jess again? Stupid young. I had just turned 20 and oh, she okay. was 18. Okay, so maybe that is a little young. I feel, and it may just be from person to person, I was ready to get married at 23. Financially may not be ready, but you're never financially no, ready never to get finan- married. We definitely were not financially you, it's ready. It's always, uh, this is what I always tell people, it's always better to be poor together than poor alone. Because then you have somebody to share the poorness with. <laughs> <laughs> and not fight at all about it. And sex is free, so you might as well do it with your wife. Anyway. So you don't burn in your lust? <laughs> I did, the way I look at culture today, like, yeah, there's a lot of heavy topics out there, but I feel like I look at Again, look at some of those founding fathers and what they yeah, were doing you, at 25. That's interesting. When you bring up older generations, who I think maybe matured quicker, or certainly seemed like... They, they had to mature quicker. quicker. Like, I don't know if I'd pin it all on millennials and not doing it. Like, I, I know some pretty young people doing some pretty awesome things. Right. Like, building just, their own houses. It's like, wh- why are you building your own house? Like, I would have never thought to build... You're stupid. But they're, you know, they're waiting to get married. They're building their house. They have plans to build other houses. I mean. I want to build my own house one day. Yeah. I'm just not ready yet. I don't have enough money. Darn doctor bills. It's always the doctor bills. Darn you cancerous looking moles. Yeah. So we're not a reactionary podcast. We don't look at the latest headline and immediately come on and record an episode spouting off about it. And I'm very thankful for that. That's why we don't talk a lot about political stuff. But I was seeing the the kid with the mega hat on in front of the Indian. And right, if we would have immediately said something about that, our initial reactions probably been way different than, you know, well, you saw so many people get blown up in the media because they're instantly want to persecute and kill this kid right. without knowing any story behind what actually happened. You know, we saw a 10 second clip and then a handful of days later, the full two hour thing comes out and there's a lot more at play. And it turns out the kid probably it, wasn't so bad. Right. But the initial reaction, and I'm thinking I'll go like my, my initial reaction was, Holy crap. That's a kid I went to school with. <laughs> Because this kid's on, a, he's on a tr- class trip, and I had friends who would, who wouldn't be for Donald Trump at all, but would wear the hat, and then would not know how to act in front of an Indian, or just something that was weird out of the norm. Especially you come from a small town, like oh man, that's so and so, and that's so and so. Like you ever watch like I don't know, you ever go through with your friends and be like. You look at like the cast of the TV show Friends and be like, oh yeah, so and so, they're Joey and they're Chandler. I'm just thinking this kid with the this kid with the mega hat on, that's Joey as a 16 year old. And then I start going through all my friends growing up. It's like, oh yeah, that's Joey. And then I learned that it's from a Catholic school. And my my thought then was, well crap, he's maybe he's learned about his God and he's thinking his God's better than this Indian's God. And that's why he's got the smirk on his face. But really what it breaks down to is he's a kid. He's 16 years old. 
faith or not not faith like we at 16 year old like you you haven't really thought for yourself at least I wasn't thinking for myself so when I was 16 um the way I voted or the way I would have voted or my politics would have been my dad's politics Hmm. my the way I understood the Bible would have been the same way my dad or my mom understood the Bible. Like you really hadn't broken out on your own. So you're, you're saying kind of like what I was saying, like the idea of like taking responsibility and doing things for yourself or not doing things for yourself, but thinking about something else other than yourself really doesn't take root when you're in your teens still. It, yeah. It takes a minute we'll to get We'll put it there. this way. Had that kid known he was going to be all over everything and be vilified, do you think he would have like stood there smiling while it was being recorded? No. No. I think he was, he would have done, so I look at this kid, right? Now we're talking about this. I know. <laughs> now we're talking, the way I looked at it, like, so the way my personality is, like, if some dude came up to me and started drumming in my face... I'd probably be like, I, I immediately go to my defense mechanism, which is to be comical. Yeah, I probably would have, I would have, I probably would have done the same. So not knowing any of like, just this is awkward. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, and so like, here he is potentially in an awkward situation smirking because he doesn't know what to do. Like, what would you do? Honestly, like the thing that that blows my mind is all these like, look at his smirk. That's the smirk of the devil, like <laughs> the racist devil kid with a MAGA hat on. And he probably is just actively canceling every class trip <laughs> to Washington for every school in the nation. <laughs> that smirk. But yeah, so like I'm just getting to the point like you're young and you're not fully developed. And well, that's why we also have a different style for sentencing for juveniles. Yeah. Like we don't try for sure. We don't try a 15 year old the same way we try a 35 year old. Yeah. Not in the least bit. And so there's a reason for that. There's a reason for the for we treat kids differently because they don't have that ability to think that far and to think about their the consequences of their actions or anything like that. So I'm trying to think of some, I remember, I said a lot of dumb stuff when I was a kid. Like, I remember I was riding my bike in some guy's yard and he asked me to stop. And I'm like, yeah, why? What are you going to do? Why would I say that as a five-year-old kid to some adult? It's You're a dumb. jerk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Obviously not saying. He went and talked to my uncle because it was at my, it was at my uncle's house. And he, and then my uncle gave me a talking to, he's like, you need to stop that. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. You better watch it. So yeah, I don't know, Jason. So this, what? So go. Let's get back. Let's wrap it back. All right. To yeah. the idea of church. Now that we've taken a big long loop. Yeah, we did. We're coming back. So what? What could we leave people with? Like you, t- you talk about raising Ada and being confused or how do I do this or what do we do with our kids? It's not like I'm going to pull my kids out of church. Right. Because that's the other thing too. I'm not going to not talk to G or to Ada about Jesus or about faith. I'm not going to not do that anymore. One of the things that always stuck with me listening to, uh, listening to Matt Chandler. I like listening to Chandler. Okay. 
Cards on the table. I like him. He talked about create Chandler Bing. Chandler Bing. He talked about creating such a space in your home to where your kids feel comfortable enough to talk to you. Yeah, that's a good one. And so that when whether it's a question about why is your favorite color red, or wait. Jesus did what? Like whatever the com- whatever the question is, whatever the topic that comes up, they know that they can feel safe coming to the, you as their parent and you giving them advice or answers or just giving them the space to ask questions and to think about or he also said give them thought-provoking questions like he said, you know, his little girl came up to him and said, you know, dad, you know, daddy, I really like the color pink. And then him saying, well, why do you think you like the color pink? Do you think maybe God gave you that desire to like the color pink? And just like, it's a dumb thing, but he's, he's, he's trying to create it's that space. On it. And I think that's the best thing that I can do as a parent of a little, of a little person and the, potentially to have more little, little people that look like me, uh, is to just create that space. Because if you don't create that space, then I think you can get down a dangerous road to where, man, I can't, there's all these expectations and I failed in these expectations. And I think about our podcast with, with Sarah Dismore. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. When she talked about when she got pregnant and she felt like she had nowhere else to turn to because she had sex out of marriage. Now she's going to have potentially have a bastard child. So the only option that she felt that she could do was to hide her sin and go get an abortion. Mm-hmm. I would never want that for, for Ada, for any of my kids. I would want them to be like, Dad, I screwed up. I got pregnant. I know I shouldn't have done that. And been like, all right, obviously you know that this is this is the consequence now. But we're gonna work through this together. Yeah. And so no, oh, go ahead. No, you brought it back. You brought it to an area where when I was thinking about this topic, it I think that it might fall less on the church and more on the parent, unless the parents aren't there. Then the grandparent, the caregiver. Um because because I thought of that story with Sarah Dismore, too. And if you want to listen to the episode, I don't remember which number it was, but abortion is not an unforgivable sin. Yeah. You can go back and listen to that episode. And one of the things that stuck in her mind was, um, because she grew up Christian, she grew up going to anti-abortion rallies, but somebody in their youth group had gotten pregnant, and she heard the way her parents talked about that kid. And then it, it closed the door for her wanting to talk to her parents and made her feel, made her feel trapped. And it keeps, it keeps coming back to the way we talk about others when others aren't around. Some people call it gossip. It doesn't, uh, uh, yeah, that's a good word for it. But, but it could be just you and your spouse talking. The way you talk about other people when that person is around, your kids are always listening, always picking up on that, and they're they're trying to decipher it. They're trying to interpret it. Okay, if if dad or mom thinks this about so and so, then I can't do that thing because mom and dad seem to not be happy with that, or the reaction right. to that's not good. Um, th- I think that that kind of stuff maybe closes those doors or shuts them off for being approachable or being able to talk to uh, your kids, being able to talk to you 
about some of these bigger concepts. Because usually faith journeys happen in the chaos, right? Mm-hmm. They usually happen when stuff's not going well. And it's never like like a cookie cutter thing. It's never like one size fits all or one story fits all or one solution fits all even. It's very much every situation is unique. Every person is yeah. unique and has a different journey that they're on in a different place and different things work for them and for other people it doesn't work and yeah. then vice versa. So And when we're bored, we try to theologically systematically look at the Bible and break it down into nice, healthy little doses. But that's not where the Bible's alive, in my opinion. That's Mm. not where Jesus is alive. I think I had one pastor friend say at best, your theology doesn't happen within the church walls. It happens within the hospital walls. Mm. It, It happens in crisis mode, because that's where you start to see... Well, that's where you're faced with these really difficult questions of why and how. And this is why love is important. <laughs> right. Because that's, that's usually when you, need, when you need to be reminded of God's love. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to, because we're, we're approaching an hour here on this. Oh, really? Yeah. Jeez, it doesn't feel like it. I know it. Your it's, basement is very accommodating, by the way. It is. It's we nice. Sitting it's here very, on my workbench. It's very nice. That I don't usually work on stuff with. It's for my pedal board. It's where I work on my guitar stuff down here. Um, Every dad needs a space to just get away. We're like yeah. hobbits. It's always in the basement for us Michiganders. Mm-hmm. Not a dirty, nasty wet hole, but a hobbit hole. Yeah, well, it's kind of... I mean, it's not wet right now because everything's frozen, but it might get wet down here. But anyway... um. Something you can do as a parent is you can check with their teaching your child. And we do that now in little bits. Um, we ask her, well, what'd you learn at church today? What are you guys talking about? What story were you going through? Why is that important? And it's not so much to help our kids to remember. It's because we want to know what's being taught when we're not around. And part of that's because we were taught some bad stuff growing up. And it's funny, um, my wife, she talks about things that she was taught and she tells them to her dad now that she's, you know, in her 30s. Like, yeah, they taught us this. And her dad's like, what? They taught you what? I don't believe that. That's not true. But they never had those conversations because it didn't feel like a safe space. Mm. It didn't feel like we were able. I And, man... I don't have teenage kids. I'm getting close. I'm nervous. They may not want to talk to me just because they don't still want to talk to their parents. So they may go to their youth pastor. And what is their youth pastor teaching them? Hmm. And listen, for the most part, youth pastors are pretty good. Um, volunteers are people who want to be there. I don't want to demonize the, anybody. People who are trying to do their best. But their understanding may not match up with your understanding of what your kid, what you want your kid to learn, are stuff that may have hurt you in the past. Maybe something that didn't even hurt you might hurt your child. Your child might, we're all different. We all react to things differently. Um, all, think, the, all that to say is I think it's important just to be right up there with your, with your pastoral team and what... What are we teaching the kids? What are they learning? 
Is that the best choice? You know? And I think by doing that, Jason, Mm -hmm. you can maybe cut through some of the BS. Yeah. And therefore, we're not waiting until somebody's 20 or 30 or even 40 years old to where they can go to church and take it seriously. Yeah. They don't have to go through the deconstruction phase. Like it, not not always, to say that deconstruction isn't a, is isn't sometimes necessary. But, so to help with deconstruction a little bit. Right. Uh I think my dad helped me out a lot in that growing up because uh my dad, I'm a former pastor's kid, but the way he approached the Bible was probably different. Um uh, not nearly as black and white. So, like, I'd come home from church and be like, ah, the earth was created in seven days. Like, I was all full-blown creation, and I still am um, to an extent. But my dad would be like, well, what about evolution? What, you know, what if it wasn't really seven days? And what's important about that is, what if I found out that it wasn't real? Would my faith be destroyed? Hmm. And what he was preparing me for was, no, you're going to go out into the world. You're going to learn all kinds of different things from different people with different backgrounds who still love God, who still love Jesus, who still serve Jesus, who still do works in Jesus's name, who do not believe the exact minute details that you believe. There are going to be people who are evolutionists, who love Jesus just as much as you do, who are a creationist, and you have to learn how to operate in an environment with them without vilifying them, or without losing your faith in the process over something so small. Because some people are good at arguing. They can beat you in an argument. You will lose. It might be a college professor. And that's the thing is we're always afraid of, okay, we just spent all this time diligently raising our children, and now they're going to go off to college and learn God knows what, you know? Mm -hmm. Anywho. Oh... I think that's a good place to stop for this yeah. episode. Jason and I are going to do a twofer today because it's going to be a busy week for me next week. So we're just going to plan ahead. We're going to record two episodes. But for this episode, send us your thoughts, your comments, your tweets, your gabs. Have you heard about gab, gabbing, gab? I think it's a new social media thing. Oh, I just heard about it on a podcast. Okay. I'm probably not going to get into it because I'm on my phone enough, but... Yeah, so shoot is it going to overtake Facebook? Do we need to? Do we need to invest? I don't even know what this is. I don't know either. I just it was mentioned briefly on a podcast I was listening to. Gab, gabbing, gabbers, scabbers. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but Jason and I are on social media, so we always love to hear from you guys. And another way we'd love to hear from you guys, not just on our social media pages, but in the rating section on iTunes. So if you are an Apple podcast user. We want your ratings. We want the best ratings that you could possibly give us. Maybe you think we're a four. Maybe you think we're a three. But who we really love and the people that will find ultimate favor with the Lord are the people that leave five-star reviews. Ultimate favor was the best way to put that. Ultimate favor. Blessings, like pressed down, overflowing, is what five-star reviews um, levers will get and from the Lord, not from us, from the Lord. So you know it's a promise that can be kept. Anyway, so go to Apple iTunes, leave a five-star review, and we will read them on the show. We are obligated. I am obligated to read every single five-star review, no matter what is written in the comment section. I have 
to read it. Mm. So please leave a five-star review. And then also, if you are feeling extra generous and would you would like a double blessing, visit us on Patreon. Yeah. We do have a, a Patreon. Blessing. We do have a Patreon account. I just said it Southern. I said blessing. A double blessing. A double blessing. A double scoop <laughs> of vanilla ice cream and a double blessing from the Lord. Mm-hmm. So go to, what is it, Patreon slash NYPP? Something like that. Yeah. So yeah, you'll find us on the Patreon, and that just helps uh, pay the bills. So right now we have one patron. Right, Jason? We only have one patron still. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. Are you going to shut her down? No. I just don't. We're just not on there a lot. We aren't. <laughs> And that's mainly because we don't have a lot of extra time for no. to add extra content. But if you believe in the show, if you want to see the show continue to go forward, give us some extra money, and yeah. that and that just helps keeps the lights on for us. Because other, otherwise, otherwise we're paying out of pocket for this. Mm-hmm. So we love you guys. Thank you so much. And Jason, tell all the little kids because you know age of accountability. We talked about that. Yeah, the every, one piece of advice you want to give all the people growing up in church right now. Specifically, under the age of 20, always keep your stick on the ice. Thanks for spending some time with Alex and I today. It really does mean the world to us. If you'd like to reach out to us or participate in a future podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter or at notyourpastorspodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app to catch future shows. Until then, toodles.